I'm going to be reading from Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. It's going to be your last opportunity to stand for several hours. It reads like this, but the fruit, somebody say the fruit, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. The good news is I'm not going to preach on all those things. I'm just going to focus on one. And that is the word joy. And I would like to speak to you tonight, tonight, this afternoon on this subject, don't lose your joy. Look at your neighbor and say, don't lose your joy. You may be hunkered down. It's the product of the Spirit. It's the evidence of the Spirit. It's a gift of God. Have a seat. (laughs) James chapter 1, verse 2. My brethren... Count it all joy when ye fall. Notice the word fall. Fall. Into diverse temptations. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith. Notice the phrase, trying of your faith. Worketh patience. Blindfold him. Oh, don't be nice. Blindfold him. You need some help? Now, you got to let the man breathe. He got his nose holes covered up. Okay. Put your hands out. Put your hands down. Wind them around about 10 times. Sometimes you go through trials and you go through tests. You can't see the end from the beginning. You never feel comfortable. You're out of your comfort zone. And nothing that happens to you feels good or seems right. Probably because it isn't. And you just know you're getting ready to be pushed over. I think you made your point, brother. I think that'll do it. Just stand there, hold it, make sure he don't get loose. That was good. Ah. In case some of y'all need an Instagram photo. What I'm trying to tell you, he said... My brethren, count it all joy, and nothing here feels like joy. You go through stuff, and none of it feels good, because it isn't good. 
How in the cornbread world do you go through tough times and still keep your shout and still keep the joy of the Lord in your soul? If you added it all up like humans add things up, it doesn't wind up in the joy column. When you start telling war stories and horror stories, this is the kind of moment that you tell about, well, let me tell you what happened to me. And yet the book said, when you add it all up, put it over in the joy column. Count it as though it were joy. Can I get a witness from somebody? But let patience have her perfect work, knowing that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Some people lose their joy because they go through a test. I've seen folk lose the joy of the Lord in their experience because of what they went through and what's happened to them. It forever changed them. That's what I want to talk to you about today. I, uh, I was asked to emcee a church anniversary in Indianapolis for Brother Mark McKinney some years ago. And I was given a list of what speakers to, what preachers to have say something, what singers to have sing. And the Rick George trio was on the list. And I announced them not knowing what they looked like. But Brother Rick George came up with his wife and I think maybe daughter or something. And he said that he had been, was an evangelist and had been preaching in Florida and got bit by a mosquito and got a virus that is fatal in 72 hours. And they did not diagnose what it was until he'd had it for 48 hours. And by this time, he's paralyzed. He didn't have any hospitalization, and the bill had gone up in excess of $100,000. He couldn't move. They finally released him from the hospital. He, his His uh, trailer was parked beside the church, two teenage children living in the trailer with him and his wife. And he said, I was at the mercies of whoever sent me money and love offerings. And he said, over a year and a half, I couldn't preach. I was bound in a wheelchair. I kept asking God for healing and direction, knowing what to do. He said, finally one night I said, son, Take me to church real early tonight. Push me in there and lay me face down on the altar. And then go on home and wait for mama to come to church. He said, when my son pushed the wheelchair to the back of the church, he was gone. I said, God, I didn't come here today to tell you what I need. You already know. I just come to say thank you for what you've already done. Thank you for the day, God, that you convicted my spirit and convicted me of my sins, and I went down to an old-fashioned altar, and I repented. Thank you, God, for the day I got baptized in your name and got my sins washed away. I thank you, God, for filling me with the Holy Ghost. I spoke with other tongues. I just want to say thank you, God. Thank you for giving me such a wonderful wife and two precious children. God, you've been good to me. Thank you, God, for calling me to preach and let me be part of your kingdom. He said, I hadn't been praying. It didn't seem like all that long, and I heard the organ playing softly. And the next thing, I, I just kept on praying. And the next thing I knew, I heard people praying too. And then I heard people shouting. And the next thing I knew, I was standing up shouting right along beside them. 
He said, I got a phone call the next morning. He said, is this Reverend Rick George? He said, yes, sir, it is. They said, we owe you an apology. We didn't realize you were a full-time minister. It's not the policy of this hospital to charge full-time ministers. Your debt has been wiped clean. God knows how to untie you. God knows how to loose you and let you come out of that trial. What he wants to see is when you come out, do you still have your joy? When you come out of that, have you still got your praise on? When you come out of your trial, do you still have your head on straight? Can you still lift your hands up in the air and glorify God and magnify his name for he is great and greatly to be praised? Can I get a witness from somebody? Some things in life you're willing to part with, but whatever you do, don't part with your joy. The church in South Bend, Indiana, where my father pastored and I followed him, had a radio broadcast for 26 years. Oh, why don't we give Brother Samuel Adams a big hand? I know they named a beer after him, but I thank him anyway. The theme song of our church radio program was, we are happy people, yes we are. Been baptized in Jesus' name, spoke in tongues when the Holy Ghost came, we're a happy people, yes we are. You're not going to get anybody to come to your church if you haven't got some joy of the Lord in your spirit. Oh, you know what I'm talking about. Situations will steal your joy. Circumstances can steal your joy. People know how to steal your joy. Can I get a witness? Regrets will steal your joy. Objects can steal your joy. Uh, just because you had a flat tire on the way to church doesn't mean you lost your, the joy of your salvation. It just means you're having a bad day. You can still go ahead and have church once you get here. Condemnation will steal your joy every time. I'm telling you, trials don't feel like joy, so you just have to count it as joy. If you have joy, you paid a price to get it, and you're going to have to pay a price to keep it. You got to fight for your joy. It's worth whatever it takes to keep your joy. The devil comes for three things, to kill, to steal, and to destroy. If he can't kill you, then he, the next step is to try to take your joy. You can't let him have your joy. That's going to destroy you if you lose your joy. You, you can't afford to lose your joy. Old saints used to say, don't let the devil steal your joy. You fight for your joy every prayer service. You fight for your joy every worship service. You fight for it in your thinking. You fight for it in your actions. You fight for it when you're praising the Lord. You fight for it. Paul said, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. If he was a product of this generation, he probably could have said, hang on to your joy. And again, I say, hang on to your joy. You got to keep your joy, brothers and sisters. 
We love to quote Nehemiah when he said, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Evidently, unhappy people aren't very strong. I was preaching revival for my father-in-law one time. I was pastor in South Bend. He had an evangelist cancel three hours before church started, so I had to drive 100 miles to go preach for him. It's what good sons-in-law do. So I said, I can't stay through Sunday, but I can preach every night this week, so I did. Saturday night, I'm preaching from Nehemiah when he got the walls rebuilt, and it said, and God made the men to rejoice with a great noise. And when the women heard, the men shouting, they started shouting too. And when the children heard mom and dad shouting, they started shouting. The Bible said, so that the noise was heard afar off. So I'm preaching to them. I said, Daddy, don't expect your son to be a worshiper if he's never seen you worship. Mama, don't expect your daughter to get her hands in the air if she don't get your hands up in the air. Show your babies how to have church. Show your children about the joy of the Lord. Show your kids how to worship the Lord. Come here. You're a slow walker. Has nothing to do with it. Sit down. It ain't that good. I come back to a guy about three quarters of the way back. My father-in-law didn't like to hunt or fish. Since I like to do both, he hooked me up with a guy in the church to take me fishing. I won't get hooked up with nobody in anybody else's church. That's just my father-in-law's church. That's different than your church. I don't hook up with your saints. You don't get their names or their numbers or nothing. I come back to the man who took me fishing. I said, hey, bro. I said, you know, in the 20-some years I've been coming here, I've never seen you out now. I've never seen you with both hands in the air at the same time. I said, have you ever danced in the Holy Ghost? He said, no, sir. I said, well, tonight is your lucky night. And he said, I'll give you everything in my pocket if you let me sit down. Well, I might be ugly, but I'm not ignorant. I knew he didn't have nothing in his pocket. I'm on target, ain't I? I said, the Bible said, leave for joy. She said, give me a hand. I said, I don't know if it said leap because you got it. A leap to get it. I need you to relax that arm and just stand there. Don't do nothing. Just stand there. Can you do it? I think you're a professional. <laughs> so I started jumping up and down, leaping for joy, and the quail head just stood there. Oh, Jesus. Why me, Lord? See, give me both your hands. I said, the Bible said, leap for joy. Can you keep standing there? I knew you could. I jump up and down, and he stands there. I said, oh, God, I know how to pick him. I said, brother, I feel like I've offended you. Would you embarrass you? Would you forgive me? I love you, man. Would you forgive me? Yes, sir. 
So I don't feel real sincere. Would you hug my neck? I love you, man. <laughs> I bounced him. I bounced him till I felt him do a little something like that, and I turned him loose. Give my man a hand here, huh? When he took off dancing, Mama looked at him. Now she ain't never seen him dance. She got, and Bobby Pins like a choom 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 choom. And the married children looked at Mom and Daddy dancing. They shouting in the aisles. And the church had never seen anybody in that family shout. They shouted for a solid hour. I have two hours to drive home. Hugged my father-in-law goodbye, gave my mother-in-law a kiss on the cheek, blew a kiss to my little sister-in-law, got in the car, drove two hours home. My wife is on the phone when I walked through the door. Three hours later, she said, it's dead. He said, they're still shouting. One person was the key to a breakthrough. And one person could be the key to a breakthrough in your church in this camp meeting. Clap your hands to the Lord. You can go. Uh, let me tell you. I've never been to a ball game. So I, I got my testimony. But there are some Pentecostals who go. So I'm told. And no doubt they can scream and holler and yell. And then you come to church and act like you got spiritual lockjaw. You let the world, you let the devil give you more joy than you let God give you joy. Don't lose your joy is what I'm trying to tell you. Hang on to your joy. There's a reason that I'm not a pastor anymore. I pastored 30 and the Lord said, let my people go. And uh, after 30 years... 30 and out. And you'll see why it's not God's will for me to pastor. I, I don't have the wherewithal to be a, a pastor, evidently. We had a service one Sunday night, deader than 4 o'clock in the morning. I don't know how dead it is here in big city at 4 o'clock in the morning, but where we live, 4 o'clock in the morning is pretty dead. And they got done singing, and I took the pulpit, and I said, I read Psalms 100 to them. I said, ushers, I want you to go. I kidnapped the whole congregation. I said, I want you to go make sure nobody leaves the doors. Go guard all the exits. I want the church to crowd in all the side exits in the vestibule. Nobody, I don't want anybody in this auditorium except the organ player and myself. And when she starts playing again, we're going to come in and have church like Psalms 100 says to have church. They all stood in place and I read... Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. I'm telling you, attitude is not just something. Attitude is everything. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. 
Be thankful unto him and bless his name. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. And his truth endureth to all generations. Well, there was no preaching that night. They shouted the place down. Sit down. Wednesday night Bible class. That time for deep spiritual inflection. Brother came in the door about three minutes before church was to start. In his work uniform, he had not been home yet. He had a lunchbox in his hand. Walked inside the front door, laid his lunchbox down to the side, made sure his shirt was tucked in properly. He's up in his 50s, I think, by this time. And he just came dancing down the aisle without any music. And those folks looked at him, and they realized, this way we're supposed to come to church. So he, they got up, and there was no preaching that night because we shouted the place down all night long. Let me tell you, I've lost my keys, but I've never lost my joy. I lost my patience with some things, but I never lost my joy. I've lost my youth, but I haven't lost my joy. I lost track of time, but I've never lost my joy. I've lost my peace of mind, but I haven't lost my joy. I've lost money on things, but I've never lost my joy. I lost my telephone, but I never lost my joy. I've lost my voice, but I didn't lose my joy. I lost my hair, but I didn't lose my joy. I've lost my dog, but I didn't lose my joy. I've lost interest, but I never lost the joy. I've lost my mind, but I never lost my joy. Oh, come on, somebody, if you got the joy of the Lord. If you lose it, money can't buy it back. We live in perilous times. Just my only source of news pretty much is something like news I can get online like Drudge Report or something like that. And I, I don't even click on the links because just the, the title is bad enough. And you know, that's just good enough. It's bad enough. I could tell this world needs the Lord to come again. It's easy to lose your joy when you look around you. It's easy to lose your joy when you run out of money. It's easy to lose your joy when things don't turn out like you wanted them to turn out. I'm just telling you, keep your joy. I'm glad I had a daddy that used to tell us, you can praise your way out of whatever you're going through. You can still have your joy. You won't find joy with a metal detector. You can't find joy with an x-ray machine. You can't find it with a microscope. You can't find it with a GPS, a world map, or Pokemon Go. You can't find joy. Oh, you know, that's right. I'm not talking about some fake smile. I'm talking about something that comes from the heart. The joy of his salvation. doesn't focus much on the word happy. 
Look at your neighbor and say, are you happy? The Bible don't ask you that question. Because the word happy is connected to the word happenings, the same root word. If you have bad happenings, sit down, brother, you're the one standing. <laughs> if you have bad happenings, you won't be happy. If you have good happenings, I'm so happy, I'm so happy. But I could tell you stories of people who lost their job and came to church with the joy of the Lord and shouted down the aisle. I've seen people shout at a casket where their spouse laid in that casket and they still shouted because God's still good. The worst thing in the world can happen to all of us or any of us. And I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, he's still a good God. Look, 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 look at this. Acts 5.40. The disciples had a spirit of, of rejoicing. And to him they agreed. And when they had called the apostles and beaten them. How many of you need a good beating? I saw two hands. Uh, raise your hand. Make sure the ushers see who you are. When they had called the apostles and beaten them, they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let him go. That's the worst thing they could have done. And they departed from the presence of the council rejoicing. Oh, your back hurt? Oh, sure, it hurts. But they started having a praise service. Why? That they were counted worthy. Counted. They, they put it over in that column. They counted worthy to suffer for his name. And daily in the temple, they went right back to where they got beat. Daily in the temple and every house, they ceased not to teach and preach in Jesus' name. God, give us something that just keeps that joy in our hearts. Somebody say, well, you don't know, Brother Bastard. I'm just burnt out. Well, what do farmers do when they get burnt out? Tell you what they do. Next March, they go back out there and they plant another crop. You see, being burnt out is not a physical thing. It's all up in here. And what's up in here is going to be connected to your spirituality too. We need to get our head on straight and realize he's still in control. So you might as well just go ahead and have you some church up in here. I'm not talking about laughing like a senseless hyena all day long, but being confident in Jesus, being confident in your forgiveness, being confident in your eternity, being confident that you are the apple of his eye. The scripture was quoted, my cup runneth over in this camp meeting from that 23rd Psalm. We have, well, I'm thinking about food. Why don't we give it up for the servers and the cooks over there in the big hall over there? Lord, what hospitality. Oh, Lord. It don't get, you can't buy it. It don't get no better than what we get right here, brothers and sisters. Come on. Let's give them a standing ovation, aren't you? I like that. And thank you. 
North Little Rock, First Pentecostal Church for making it possible for us to come and eat all your food up. But by chance, if you had a service, say, would you like more coffee? Yeah, I'll take a little. And they just stand there and say, well, how y'all doing today? And they just start pouring and pouring, and it runs over the top, of, down into the saucer, down across the table, all into your lap. And you stand up because it's just running everywhere. And you think, of what in the cornbread world is wrong with you? And yet, that's kind of what the Bible said, my cup runneth over. God knows how to go overboard blessing you is what I'm trying to tell you. He knows how not only to bless you, but to go overboard in blessing you, making sure that you're filled up. So hold that in mind. What fills your joy up to the top then? John 16, 24, it's, it's when you receive what you ask for. Hitherto ye have asked nothing in my name, and ye ask, and ye shall receive that your joy may be full. Some of you start asking in faith, believing, and watch God answer your prayer. I want to see how much joy you have when you come back to the next church service. You're going to have you a testimony because you've just come through a test, and your joy is all full because God answered your prayer. Anybody know what in the world I'm talking about here tonight? Keep your joy. David, the man after God's own heart, lost his joy. David, the singer, lost his joy. David, the psalmist, lost his joy. David, the gifted writer, the gifted psalmist, he lost his joy. He lost it. But he fought hard to get it back. And I'm telling you, your joy is worth fighting for. Let me give you a little background. David had sinned. He'd numbered the people. He'd killed a man because he wanted that man's wife. He'd been immoral, and that's enough to let you know that he wasn't a good boy. And yet he writes Psalms 51, and he's making his apology and his repentance as public as he, and complete as he could be. Have mercy on me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according to the multitude of thy tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly or thoroughly with, uh, from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgression. He wasn't blaming anybody else but himself. I acknowledge my transgression and my sin is ever before me. Against thee and thee only have I sinned. Of the seven in the Bible who said I have sinned and admitted it, only two found forgiveness. David and the prodigal, because they said, against thee have I sinned. If you've bought into the stupid, unbiblical concept that, well, I'm only hurting myself. No, you're not. Your sin is against God. Oh, you know I'm telling you the truth. Create, verse 10, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit in me. Cast me not away from thy, thy presence. Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. This is one of the saddest verses in the whole Bible right here. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. 
and uphold me with thy free spirit. Then, somebody say then. Then will I teach transgressors thy ways, and sinners shall be converted unto thee. David's desire was to be happy again. Restore me. He wanted to be consistent. He didn't want to be up and down. He said, uphold me. He wanted to be useful. He said, would you do that, God? I'm going to go out and I'm going to start teaching. I'm, I'm just going to do what Brother Urshan said last night. I, I'm going to bring Benjamin with me. I, I, I'm going to tell everybody about you. David wanted his joy back. I don't know that y'all can handle this next line I'm going to give you. It doesn't appear here that he lost his salvation. He lost the joy of his salvation. That's what he wanted. What are you talking about, Brother Ballester? I'm talking about folks coming to church, baptized Jesus' name, got the Holy Ghost, and they're just patty cake, a patty cake, a baker's man. They just go through the mundane. They just go through the motion. They just hear. They're a warm body on the seat. There's no joy of the Lord in their soul. And David is saying, restore unto me that thing that I once had. I want it back. I'm tired, God, of just going through the motion. It was a desperate request. But that request began with repentance and confession. Maybe that's what you, some of you need to do to get your joy back. You're not where you need to be in God. You don't have that joy. Maybe it's time you just found an altar and ask God to forgive you of all your sins and everything in your life that's not right. And you watch God respond to you and give you that joy that you once had. You can't buy it. Only God can give it to you. He lost the confidence of his forgiveness. He lost the confidence of the salvation that once gave him joy. He lost the confidence in eternity that gave, once gave him joy. He lost his blessed assurance. Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. He lost all that. He lost his peace of mind. Oh, he could still sing all the songs. He knew all the doctrine. But the big chunk that was missing in his walk with God was the joy of his salvation. Only God can restore that. Without joy, you're weak. Without joy, it's just church as usual. Without joy, your, your worship is pretty much dead. Without joy, your praise is empty. Without joy, your prayer rooms are going to be quiet. Without joy, you sit around and get critical of somebody else. Without joy, you start complaining about this and that and criticizing the pastor and, and how loud the worship is and the, the PA unit. Without joy, you start complaining. Without joy, you become jealous of somebody else being used. Without joy, you become envious. Without joy, your excitement is gone. Without joy, your contentment is gone. Without joy, the fire is gone. Without joy, you're empty. Without joy, there's no blessing. Without joy, you're not thankful. And you're in danger of backsliding. When your joy is gone. Come on, clap your hands if you want your joy. David didn't pray for salvation. He prayed for joy. Because joy brings contentment. Joy brings peace. How you, oh, I'm happy. And when you find somebody that's happy in Jesus, <laughs> you're, you got confidence, satisfaction in him. Sinner, backslider, 
Joy is the product of the Holy Ghost. First Peter said it this way, verse, chapter 1, verse 8. Whom having not seen, ye love, in whom though now ye see him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable or joy unexplainable, joy undescribable, and full of, full of glory. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 13. Therefore with joy shall ye draw water out of the wells of salvation. I just had me a flashback today. I can see myself in my 30s preaching an old sermon called A Bucket Called Joy. Some folk go to the well of salvation. Oh, honey, I'm going to get us some joy. I'm going to get us some salvation. And they, go, and they can't even get out of the well before all the water's gone. Some folk are using the wrong bucket when they come to church. One of doubt, maybe a a container called unbelief or self-pity or discouragement or depression, carelessness, all kinds of buckets. But if you can ever get a bucket called joy, you can carry all the way home everything that you get when you draw water from this well. The joy of His presence, Psalms 16, 11, Thou wilt show me the path of life in thy presence is fullness of joy. And at thy right hand are pleasures forevermore. To me, right hand speaks of power, dominion. And when you ever get into the power of the Lord, you feel that there's, there's something special that happens right there, brothers and sisters. There are pleasures forevermore. The joy of his presence. I could talk about the joy of worship. The people rejoice First Chronicles 29.9, for that they had offered willingly because the perfect heart they offered willingly to the Lord and David the king also rejoiced with great joy. It used to bother my daddy to see people shout and they had their face all screwed up. Well, who'd want to do that? You want to see somebody enjoying Jesus. The joy of sacrifice. Uh, Nehemiah twelve forty three, and also that day they offered great sacrifices, rejoice for God made them rejoice with a great joy, and the wives also and the children rejoiced so that the joy of Jerusalem was heard afar off, the joy of sacrifice. Well, well, well. Don't let your sacrifice become your downfall. Let it become your source of joy. Here's one you're not ready for: Isaiah fifty six seven, the joy of prayer. Even then will I bring into my holy mountain and make them, make them joyful in my house of prayer. Some folk act like prayer's the worst thing that could happen to them. But God said, I'm going to make you joyful in my house of prayer. The joy of believing. Romans 15, 13. Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. Some of y'all need Confidence that God's still a healer, a way maker, a provider. He can do everything. And you need to have joy in believing. The joy of repentance. Again, the kingdom of heaven is likened to treasure. Hidden to field, which when the man hath found, he hideth. And for joy thereof, goeth and selleth all that he hath, and buyeth that field. He didn't say, oh, I got to give up so much to go live for God. I don't know if it's really worth it or not. I just... 
who for joy thereof. It didn't say he jumped and kicked his heels, but you can just about imagine him doing that. I preach uh, quite often. In, uh, matter of fact, I'm going there this year. In uh, Shelton, Washington, Brother Billy Burgess. And there was a young woman there named Elizabeth who was a chief cook, bottle washer, waitress, cashier, everything. She just running the whole thing. Little Russian had just served breakfast and lunch, I think. Just a few tables is all. And one of the young men worked construction. He went there to eat breakfast. And she looked at him. She thought he was kind of easy on the eyes. So she, I looked at the boy. He didn't do a thing for me. And so she made sure he had large portions of food and everything. After two, three weeks, he hadn't flirted with her or asked her out or nothing. So she thought she would take the initiative. And she said, I noticed that you pray over your food. What church do you go to? Oh, he said, I go to Apostolic Lighthouse. Oh, she said, I, I, I know where that's at. Isn't that the place where the women all wear dresses? I said, yeah, pretty much. She said, well, I'd like to come sometime, but I don't even own a dress. Well, he said, well, you don't have to wear a dress to come and visit us. We'd be glad to have you come. We got some old bald-headed guy preaching us a revival or whatever he said. So Elizabeth did not want to be outdone. And she wanted to fit in. So she went down and bought her the cutest little miniskirt she could find. And she came on to church. And she sat about halfway back on that side. And started crying during the song service. And they let a couple people testify that they could trust not to talk stupid. <laughs> Lord, I apologize for that. Other. She cried during that. All that got preached was what Peter said on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Repent. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission, the removal, the taking away of sins. And ye shall, that's future perfect tense. You can take that to the bank. It's going to happen. You shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost for the promises unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many of the words that he testified and exhort, saying, save yourself from this untoward generation. That's all the girl heard. She came down the altar. She started crying at the altar. She asked to be baptized. She cried in the baptismal tank, come up out of the water. She is still crying. About 11, 11.30, she called that guy. I don't know how she got his number, but she got it. Let me just tell you, brother, something. All you single brothers, pay attention. A mouse trap does not chase mice, but it catches them just the same. <laughs> Study your lesson. She called him almost midnight. She said, I think I'm going crazy. I think I've had a nervous breakdown or lost my mind or something. I said, what are you talking about? Well, she said, when I got up to my door tonight and I was putting the key in the door lock something said to me if you're going to live for Jesus you probably ought not to have anything in your house you wouldn't want Jesus to see 
She said, when I, nobody said anything about what was in the house. All that God said was, repent. Get baptized in Jesus' name like we baptized here last night. And God's going to give you the Holy Ghost. And He can do it in this camp meeting for you. She said, when I opened up the door, I, first thing I saw was a rack that had all my rap and hip-hop music on it. I knew I couldn't play those for Jesus because I knew what the lyrics were. She said, I just went over and I took the whole rack and I just threw it all over on the floor. She said, just dumped them there. And it felt so good. I just kind of jumped up and clapped my hands. It felt so good. And I turned and looked. I saw my rack with all my DVDs. And I couldn't play those for Jesus because I knew how those, what was on those. I just took, and I just threw those on the pile too. She said, and, and I started laughing and crying at the same time like I'm having a nervous breakdown or something. And she said, then I got to looking around, I went into my bedroom, and I went to my closet, and I got everything I didn't want Jesus to see me wear. And I brought it out, and I threw that on the pile. And she said, my my bottom lip was starting to get kind of numb and kind of quivering a little bit. And I went back to my bedroom, and I looked at my dresser, looked all around, and I got all my jewelry and all my makeup, and I just scooped it all off. And I brought it out there, and I just dumped that on the pile. And she said, when I did... Funny words started coming out of my mouth. She said, have I lost my mind? said, oh, no, Elizabeth, you've just received the Holy Ghost. I'm talking about the joy of repentance. There's no joy in condemnation. There's no joy in your bitterness. There's no joy in your unforgiveness. There's no joy in your hatred. There's no joy in sin. There's no joy in the pig pen. There's no joy in the world. There's no suicide thoughts in joy. Am I making sense to anybody in the house here? Deuteronomy 28, 45. Moreover, all these curses shall come upon thee and shall pursue thee and overtake thee till thou be destroyed. Because thou hearkenest not unto the voice of the Lord thy God to keep his commandments and his statutes which he commanded thee. And they shall be upon thee for a sign and for a wonder and upon thy seed forever. Because, somebody say because. Thou servest not the Lord thy God with joyfulness and with gladness of heart for the abundance of all things. Joyful people are thankful people. The Lord, let me, let me just tell you, the Lord came to seek and to save that which is lost. He took all the stripes before Calvary for our diseases, our sicknesses. By his stripes we are healed. I want to show you who also came Prove to you that he also came to give you emotional healing, joy. Isaiah 61 reads like this. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings to the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. Uh, If you got gray hair, raise your hand. You remember full service service stations? Back in the day, you pull up. Somebody, yeah, fill her up a regular. 
and somebody got the nozzle in there. Somebody starts washing on the window. Somebody else comes up. They get a little tire gauge. They're checking all your tire. Oh, would you please uh, pop the hood, sir? And you reach down there and you pop the hood. They check your oil. They check the water in the radiator, the, your uh, washer fluids. They check everything. Didn't it ever dawn on you that God's got something better than a full-service service station? He not only takes care of your soul, He heals your body, but He takes care of all the business up in here, too. Bind up the brokenhearted to proclaim liberty to the captives, and I could preach about addictions right there. The opening of the prison to them that are bound is proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all that mourn, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy. We ain't got no oil up here. Somebody out there needs to say, thank you, Jesus. Because some folk need an oil change. And you don't want me coming down there. God knows how to give you the, well, what kind of oil you want? Well, why don't you put the oil of joy in me this time? What I was using last time, it, it's making me run bad. It's, it, I'm telling you, it's fun being retarded. A garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness that they might be called the trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. Joy doesn't focus on what you don't have. 1994, 9-11, my daddy died. My sisters and I feel wonderfully blessed to have had Carl and Connie Ballestero as our mom and dad. If we didn't turn out right, don't blame them. They did the best that they could. About three months or more after Daddy died, my mama called me. I'm sorry, I called Mama. I tried to call her every day, and I said, How you doing, Mama? Oh, honey, she said, I just don't feel like I... I think I'm going to quit taking my blood thinner medicine because it's, I don't think it's trusting God. And I just, besides, she said, I just want to die and go home to be with my darling. I'm talking about a woman who not once in my 50 years at that time had ever seen her anything but up high and bubbly. And now I'm 2,400 miles away and I can't wrap my arms around her and I got to come up with some kind of words to help mama now and I haven't got one word to say. What do you say at a time like that? And I'm begging God in my mind to help me here. I said, well, Mama, let's just start with the first things first. You said you wouldn't trust in God. I said, Mama, you're wearing glasses while you're talking to me right now. You didn't trust God to heal your eyes. And you're talking to me with false teeth in your mouth. Aren't you glad I wasn't your boy? I said, you didn't feel like you were doubting God because he didn't give you a third set of teeth. I said, but mama, if you feel like God's done with you and it's your time to go, go out in the backyard and find you the biggest bucket you can find and kick that sucker as hard as you can kick it. And mama laughed. She said, oh, honey, you're so good for me. (laughs) Yeah, right. And then it came to me, 
I said, Mama, the Bible said we're like trees that's planted by the water. And trees in the Midwest where we live go through seasons. There's times of the year when leaves are green. And there's times when they're brown. And there's times when they're not. But just because there's no leaves doesn't mean that the squirrels say, Hey, Larry, ain't no leaves here. You notice that? We ought to move. What do you think? Birds don't say, I'm out of here. That's the best they can do for me here. I'm gone. I said, the birds don't move. They don't change trees because the leaves are gone. Squirrels don't go away because the leaves are gone. They know the leaves will come back. I said, Mama, after church, do women come up to you and say, Sister Ballester, would you pray with me about this or that or the other? She said, oh, yes, honey, almost every night. I said, Mama, do you still get invitations to go speak to ladies' groups? Oh, yes, honey, I do. I said, Mama, the squirrels aren't gone. The birds haven't left. Your leaves are going to come back. Oh, honey, you're so wise, she said. I said, no, I'm not wise at all. Children are like little banks. You made deposits of wisdom in me while I was growing up. And you get to a point where you don't trust your own judgment, so you you just made a a withdrawal is all you did, Mama. I'm just telling you what you told me. I had come to tell somebody today, your leaves are going to grow back. Don't lose the joy of your salvation because your leaves are gone. Your leaves will come back. For about 20 years now, I've preached revival for Brother Kenbo in the Seattle area. One of my first trips there on a rainy Monday I laugh because it's always rainy, no matter what the day is. On a rainy Monday, we, in January, we went to Tacoma to an antique car lot that was indoors in an old parking garage, four floors. So here's two bald-headed guys walking up the ramps looking at old cars. I saw an old 55 Ford like I used to have, and I saw a 55 Chevy like I used to have. And I don't bite girls. Come on out. A 64 Chevy like I used to have. I even saw a 40 Ford with a coupe with a visor on it like I used to have. Man, I was, I was enjoying it. And then I saw a 1957 Chevrolet that made me stop. Now, if you're in my generation and you're a guy, you will look twice at a 57 Chevrolet. Can I get a witness up in here? And I'm looking at the motor. It's pristine. It's gorgeous. I go over to the window, and I look up at the headliner, and I look at the dash and the steering wheel, and I look at the seat covers. It looks like it's on the showroom floor. And I hear a voice that's not Brother Bo, and we're the only two in the whole building that I knew of. He said, you like that? I said, I knew it wasn't the Lord, but I, I wanted to look anyway. And I said, man, what's not to like about this? He said, that's mine. I said, oh, this is beautiful, man. What an awesome job you did. He said, I bought my first 57 Chevy for $1,800. Bought her new. I was so proud. 
Got drafted and I sold it. Probably the worst thing I ever did, he said. Here's a guy now, an old guy. He said, three years ago I bought this car, a piece of junk for $10,000. He said, I spent $25,000 restoring it. $35,000. Wouldn't you have loved to heard that conversation? Hey, Bill, you bought your first one for $1,800 and sold it. Now you bought this thing here. You spent $35,000 on it. We can't even drive it in the rain. We have to leave it parked in the garage and our good car sits outside all the time. What I'm trying to tell you is that restoration doesn't make sense to anybody except the owner. Calvary was a one-day event, the greatest event in the whole world. But your restoration may take time and days and weeks and months. If you were hit by a car and you're in the hospital, you may not walk out the first day. There's a recovery time. All you can hope and pray is, God, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Lift your hands in prayer, if you would, please.
yes, Lord. We thank you for your joy. Nothing like the joy of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord for God's happy people that's in love with him. Excited about living for God. Amen. Thank the Lord. Thank you, Brother Ballester. What a blessing. What a blessed day we've had here today. Amen. Thank the Lord. Looking forward to a Holy Ghost move tonight. I just wonder how many will practice the message we heard today. When you come back to church, come back rejoicing in the Lord and thinking and praising and glorifying God. Amen.